Happy birthday! Hyper Battle, Episode 2, Kamen Rider Oz. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Mitchell. Did you miss me? Did you miss this little foray into Tokusatsu, which is the live-action Japanese people in weird costumes fighting people in other weird costumes? Superheroes versus rubber-suited monsters. Today we're going to talk about Comrade O's, and joining me today is nobody. Yeah, it's going to be a most episodes of Hyper Battle are probably just going to feature yours truly. And, uh, well, if any of my friends or any people I know who are big into Conrad or want to join me, I'll obviously invite them. Uh, you'll probably hear from Soul a few more times. There's a few Conrad he would lynch me if he wasn't part of. But as of right now, we're just going to keep things nice and simple with just yours truly. And we're going to talk about the second Conrad show I watched. Common Writer O's. That's zero zero zero, or sped with O's, which is, represents the symbol of infinity with an extra loop attached to it, because to infinity and beyond. I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, Common Writer O's was the second Common I watched, and it's the one that comes directly after Common Writer Double. So it was the one that really. Okay, Double made me a fan of the idea, O's made me a fan of the concept. Or the other way around, I'm not really sure which. But because these two were what I watched back-to-back, -back, and they are very strong shows, they're why I think this is a great media to just enjoy. And, uh... Well, I guess I should probably start and say what Counter O's is about. And O's is all about the power of greed. For greed is good, and greed is bad. Which, uh, actually is a really good idea for a story. Uh, long, long ago, there was a king who lusted for power so great he convinced his alchemists to forge power source for him, which created these monsters known as Greeds, spelled with three E's. And these Greeds could... Were, the, the Greeds are apparently sentient piles of coins that congeal together to form a monster. And they can force weird things to happen with your Greed. Uh, one of them forces you to... Okay, if... They make these monsters called Yummies. I know the names of these monsters are just ridiculous, but um, there's one. Each greed has their own way of creating more yummies. And the yummies create things called uh, cell metals. And the cell metals are these tiny little coins, they're plastic, but they sound like there's metal in the show. And these things have immense supernatural powers, so the king wanted to use these to get more power. The Greeds are made up of a vast collection of cell metals and a handful, I think it's ten core metals. These are different colored coins that represent the 
animals that these creature these breeds are based off. So uh, the lo- the feline uh, breed is made up of a collection of cheetah medals, lion medals, and tiger medals. The king was able to take the core medals and fashion a belt that could give him these powers. That was the original Comrider O's, which happened millennia ago. You know how ancient societies are. Always more advanced with their techno-magic. But yeah, uh, a single-cell metal is incredibly powerful, and a core metal is better than like thousands of cell metals. <clears throat> so the Greeds need the cell metals to live, so the king gets them to make cell metals. He took the extras, made himself more powerful, stole their core metals to make himself even stronger, and he essentially tried to use all the metals at once and killed himself, because it was too much power for him to handle. That's the basic background of the show. Um, So, yeah, the greeds create creatures called yummies. In each greed, there's uh, an insect greed, a feline greed, a aquatic life greed, a large mammalian greed, like uh, gorillas and rhinos and elephants, and there's a bird greed at the start. The bird greed's a very important one. That's Ankh. We'll come back to him. But each greed's yummies behave slightly differently. Um, what a greed does is they sense a person with a high desire for something, and they throw one of their cell metals into the person, which causes their greed to expand exponentially. And when the feline one puts a cell metal in you, your greed consumes you. You basically become the yummy yourself. And a prime example is one person he saw was really hungry. He wanted to constantly eat really good food. So the cell metal was thrown in. He became an insatiable devourer of food until the there was enough greed energy built up that the actual body of the yummy formed over his, and he was basically eaten alive by his own greed. Um, Ankh, the bird greed, when he causes someone's cell uh, greed to go out of control, the yummy pops out of them and will bring you what you desire. So, uh, one person ended up desiring the ability to... Uh, well, he wanted to be really famous, so the yummy went out and sucked the <laughs> talent out of people and gave it to him. So that made him more popular online. So that's basically what's going on. This Your greed is basically thrown out of whack, and the hero, we'll talk about him in a minute, uh, fights these evil monsters, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, lessons are learned. But the show is not constantly preaching to people that greed is bad. You should never get greedy. In fact, it actually preaches a lesson that I think is really good. You need greed to get through your life. If you do not want something, you're a doormat. What you need to learn is greed is okay. Gluttony. I know gluttony is usually described as a sin of eating constantly, but in my opinion, gluttony is overindulgence of anything to the point of self-harm and harm of others. <clears throat> so, the main character, we'll get to him now, is Hino Eji, a very quirky young man, but a very kind-hearted young man. Uh, we 
are introduced to him falling asleep in a guardhouse because he took an odd job of being a guard while two his two co-workers basically drugged him so they could steal and kind of blame everything on him. But he's such a nice guy that he doesn't really get mad at them for this later on when they get caught. And he's not exactly a doormat. He's got his reasons, but essentially he starts the show off with his only single desire, which is to save everyone around him. That's what he's greedy for. And besides that, all he wants in life is a fresh pair of underpants every day. I'm not kidding. He is so obsessed with having fresh underpants for himself every day that he carries it around on a stick. Also, sometimes he'll hide his money in it. Like, you know, he needs money in order to get food and survive, but he does odd jobs just to survive. Like, he, you know, he's incredibly talented in a lot of things, but he's not putting that into a lot of it. He's basically a self-imposed hobo. And, uh... Of course, as I mentioned, he was, you know, these... What, 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 these guards were trying to steal something. They were trying to steal ancient exhibits of this King of O's. Which, of course, releases the greed, and Edgy reluctantly becomes Comrade O's to fight them, because the belt that the king had is the only thing that the king that survived. So by using the hawk for the he- uh, the hawk, the tiger, and the grasshopper parts, he becomes Comrade O's, and each of O's's combos has a name that... Okay. If double was half and half, O's is one-third, one-third, one-third. Head, torso, legs. And torso includes arms. So that was his gimmick, is that he would swap out metals on the fly to change different body parts. Um, Each greed had a core metal that could be a head, a chest, or a leg. could only be that. So if you saw the hawk part, that hawk part could only ever be a head for Commodore O's. But that meant the Ankh, the bird greed, had two more parts of the body to give. And each... There are certain combos. If you use the same three... uh, same color from the same greed, you get a combo with more power. The only one that's an exception to is Tatopa Taka Tora Bata, which in English means Hawk Tiger Grasshopper. Tatopa so, yeah. And I'm, on a small tangent, I, there's one thing about Oz's combat that I love, is that whenever he fights or destroys the enemy, he goes, See ya! Which always sounded like to me he was yelling, See you! Or See ya! And I, I just loved it. But um, going back to Oz's suit, uh, obviously each part does more than change color. Um, the hawk gives him extremely good accuracy. The tiger gives him tiger claws. The grasshopper gives him grasshopper jumping abilities. Pretty cool. Um, he gets a rhino head, obviously, for headbutting. He gets gorilla arms, really good for beating people up and apparently also makes rocket fists. He gets uh, gorilla legs. Not gorillas, uh, rhin- uh, elephant legs, which apparently gives him manipulation over gravity. Don't follow that one. Uh, going back to the feline one, he gets a lion's head, which gives him a, a roar, but also a flash of light like he's the goddamn sun. The tiger gives him tiger claws, and he gets cheetah legs. 
two guesses on what that gives, and the first one doesn't count. Um, the grasshopper gives him, another the bug greed gives him uh, beetle horns, which shoots lightning, prey mantis arms, which kind of does the exact same thing as the tiger claws, gives him arm-mounted blades, and grasshopper gives him jumping. Um, his least used one was the marine one, which gives him, I want to say a dolphin head? Which allows him to turn into liquid. Uh, electric eel, which gives him electric whips for his arms. And octopus, which lets him have multiple legs when he wants. And also when he kicks, the legs spin into a drill. And there is Ankh, who gives Hawk Peacock, which gives him flight, which is hilarious to me because we all know Peacock can't fly, but it gives him bright red Peacock wings and Condor legs, which he can claw people to death with. And there is one other one, but that comes on much later in the show. But essentially what happens, the Greeds are out, and they're very selfish individuals that don't really work well together, and they're all trying to amass cell metals and find their missing core metals. Because after they were sealed up for so long, their core metals were taken, and I don't know how you take core metals from them without breaking the seal, but people did. So the Greeds are basically in a... Oz is trying to stop the Greeds from doing harm. The Greeds want to gain power, and they don't care for each other, but they'll use each other, or they'll backstab each other. They'll even take each other's core metals, even though those don't really do anything for them. In fact, having an imbalance of core metals of a different Greed inside one Greed can cause weird shit to happen. But it's really cool. And the at every start of every episode after the first, they ask you to count the medals. Because the medals change hands so frequently, you don't know does what what medals does O's have now. Oh, he got into a fight and one of the greeds stole all the medals he collected except for the ones he was wearing. He's got three now. Manages to defeat one of the other greeds. Now he's got just two from them. And obviously the more core medals they have, the stronger they get. And I like how they do this is uh, the suits for the monsters, the, the greeds, when they have less parts, they take away um, the outer layer of the suit so you just see the undersuit. So when they get enough core medals, they get their arms back, like their arm guards back, which you know lets them fight better because tiger claws, for example. And that's pretty much what the show's premise is. The wrinkle in it is, though, is Ankh, the bird greed, sides with Edgy, coming under O's, because he sees O's as a the most powerful, and b he thinks he can control uh, Edgy, because Edgy's a very easygoing guy. He, you know, he seems like the kind of lovable doofus, but in all honesty, he's a pretty sharp cookie. He just doesn't really feel like he needs to be constantly the smartest guy in the room. When he has to, he actually manipulates Ankh, who is a master of greed and manipulation, and it's a back and forth they have. It's a very interesting dynamic. We, we went from counter double of... Uh, Shotaro and Philip having this really good dynamic of teamwork where they played off for each other and built each other's strengths off to O's where we have the two main characters constantly almost at each other's throats but becoming friends. It's, they're frenemies. And yes, at the end of the series they are 
bestest buds ever, but Ankh will always be that grumpy guy who never wants to admit that they are friends. So, <clears throat> there are some interesting things about O's. Uh, because Ankh was missing a lot of medals when he was freed, he's only a sentient floating hand. So he ends up possessing a police officer and through the police officer experiencing human life because the greeds aren't exactly human. They are just greed. They don't really experience anything besides desires. They don't even experience things like tastes or sounds like we do. Through this police officer he's possessing, he can discover taste. And Anki's a flame bird who, while possessing a person, is obsessed with popsicles, ice pops, just ice treats in general, because now he has the police officer's tastes. I don't know if the police officer himself had a real thing for ice treats, but almost every scene you see Ankh eating an ice, like a lolly, like, a, like a, a popsicle or something like that. And another thing I love about Ankh is because he's a bird, he tends to sit in higher locations. Like, he'll roost like, when they get a place to stay, he puts his bed higher up than Edgy's. When he's talking to people, he usually sits up on things. He likes to roost, and it's just a little weird quirk he has that's not really that noticeable, but it makes you chuckle when you do. But, uh, I'm doing that but, uh, again. I, I really gotta try and get that out of my speeching habits. So... What is it that I like about Connor O's so much? Well, if Double was about uh, a simulacrum of detective work, O's is kind of like all those children's shows you used to watch where, like, all right, kids, here's a lesson of the day. Too much of this is bad. But they do it in a much more interesting way and mature way. Like, just because the greeds expose your greed it doesn't automatically solve things at the end of the day when they smash it. Um, and there are some heart-to-hearts because sometimes what you really desire is not what you tell people. There's a girl in one episode who um, ends up getting a, a greed made because she wants to be stronger. She wants to be the toughest, I think it's karate fighter? But the reason why she wants to be the toughest karate fighter is she's trying to impress her sensei, who is fallen in love with someone. And she thought at first, okay, if I'm the strongest, he'll pay attention to me. And then later on, the greed mutate, or the yummy mutates, and basically now is going to try and kill her sensei's fiancé. So, yeah. Kinda exposing the deep-seated truths of this young girl. Just because you destroy the monster in the episode does not mean that problem is solved, and it also might make things worse. Now, Yes, most of the time when you were exposed to that kind of inner darkness of yourself, you do tend to want to better yourself. Now, Edgy is the main character. Ankh is a secondary. The third character, recurring character, is uh, Hina. She is the younger sister of this police officer Ankh is possessing, so obviously she's got an investment in the group. She and Edgy have this really cute back and forth, and they're not really a couple, but they do have some couple-like scenes. She and Ankh have some reluctant back-and-forths when she finds out that, hey, you are wearing my brother as a skin. But at the same time, she doesn't end up hating Ankh. She ends up, I think, more pitying him for a while. But she also is very concerned about the her brother's health, because um, 
Ankh is kind of keeping her brother alive because he got shot, which is how he was able to possess him so easily. So he is kind of healing this this detective, but at the same time, if he leaves, the body just collapses. Sometimes Ankh will just detach from the body to be a flowing hand to do things a floating hand can do, which there are a few things a floating hand can do. Um... So, there is that kind of nice dynamic. But there is one other men group I haven't mentioned, which is... Anyone who knows me has... Well, I'm just going to say this. Happy birthday! We have to talk about the Kogami Foundation, which is a huge company that knows all about the cell metals and is run by an extremely eccentric and bizarre multi-billionaire uh, who celebrates new birthdays constantly. Like, when the greeds are free, he yells out happy birthday, greed. When making a business deal with someone, he'll yell out happy birthday to the business deal. When a new monster is born, happy birthday to that monster. Uh, he is obsessed with making cakes and happy birthdays because he wants new beginnings. He doesn't want things to end or to stagnant. He just wants new things to come about. And he does this by encouraging people to follow their dreams. In fact, people who work for him who don't follow his dreams don't end up progressing through his company. He's a very good example of, I reward those who are gung-ho, which is a form of being greedy. He really believes in the power of greed. To him, mankind would not exist without the desire to Mankind would not exist, in his opinion, unless fish had been greedy enough to learn to walk on land. They had the water. Why would they bother to leave the water? They had to want to leave the water. They had to be greedy to leave the water. And the fish that walked on the land had to be greedy enough to be bigger and stronger. They could have survived as they were, but they wanted more. They wanted to be bigger. They were greedy. And that is a message I wholeheartedly actually kind of agree with. Like, there's nothing wa wrong with wanting something and striving to get it. There's everything wrong with wanting that and pushing people aside to get it or going about things the lazy way. I, I guess because I'm such a big fan of DuckTales, I'm very fond of the idea of self-made by being smarter than the smarty and tougher than the toughies. And while I'm not exactly the most outgoing and hard-working person, I'm happy where I am, and I realize that can lead to some problems. So every now and then, I think about this show and give myself a little kick in the ass, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to actually join the Jedi Dropouts. Because I wanted to get out there and talk to people and share my love of weird, nerdy things. And that's what made this show. I felt like I'm not really doing a lot. Oh, I know. I should, you know, make my own show. I was already a part of two different shows. Why should I make another one? That's being kind of greedy and self-aggrandizing. But it is getting me out there, and hopefully it's getting people who have not been exposed to weird Japanese combat, uh, Japanese live-action shows to, you know, try some of this. So... 
that's why I love Commodore O so much. It's just, it gave me a really good life lesson. <laughs> I watched this when I was in college. So, TV shows can still give life lessons. It still can come from children's shows. So, the Kogami Foundation has been studying the core metals and the cell metals and have found a way to use them for powering things. Also, they make little robots that are disguised as soda cans, which are disguised inside vending machines that transform into bikes if you put a cell metal in. Which, that's really weird and cool. Which means, Commander O's is one of the few Commanders who has an excuse for where he pulls his bike out of nowhere, because they are vending machines that are throughout the city. It's not that impossible for him to run a block and go, oh good, here's a bike I can just, you know, transform and ride on. And what I love is while, um, uh, the Kogami Foundation has a collection of cell metals, they want more. So they end up kind of blackmailing Ankh and Edgy to working for them to get more cell metals. There's a brilliant scene where uh, Edgy's trying to transform a, a vending machine to a bike, so he puts a coin in. Kogami Foundation has turned that off. And... He keeps putting coins and it won't transform, so he tips it over and climbs on top of it and pretends to ride it and it won't transform, so he gets really depressed. So Ong ends up having a talk with the head of the Kogami Foundation and they go back and forth on a, alright, I will give you my technology, but you gotta give me cell metals. Ong, being a greedy person, obviously, well, a little embodiment of greed, says 10%. No, that won't do. Fine, 20. No, I want. 80%. You are not getting 80% of the cell metals we collect. I need those. And they go back and forth, and it ends up with Ankh saying, fine, 60. That's as high as I'm going. And the, the foundation smiles, lifts up a tray, showing a cake saying, happy birthday, 60%. That's the number he wanted all along. He made Ankh go down to that number, and then the bike works for Edgy. and just instantly transforms while he's sitting in the bike and sends him flying up in the air, and he lands back on it. And that's comedy I like. That's just like slapstick humor and end of a very serious moment because he needed that bike to chase after a monster. Ugh. But they also aren't just happy with O's and Ankh collecting their coins. So later on they create a commoner of their own who's powered not by core metals like uh, O's is but by cell metals which makes him technically weaker but he has a very large tool chest of weapons to use. So, the only problem I have with the secondary writer, which I call side writer of the show, is his name. And the name of that writer is Common Rider Birth. Yeah, the guy's obsessed with birthdays, so obviously the writer he has commissioned is named Birth. But what I like about Birth is his first... Uh, the first person to use the birth suit is a guy named Date. And Date is a wonderful character, very indicative of how the show writes its characters. He's a lovable, hardworking guy who's trying to get, um, I think it's 100 cell medals, and Kogami Foundation will pay him, I think, 200 yen? 200 million yen, I think it is? Or, uh, basically, a huge amount of money. So... Obviously, he's doing this for the money. 
which makes him a greedy person. But he's such a nice, lovable guy. He treats Edgy to food every now and then. They hang out. He's like, we really shouldn't, you know, we should work together so I can get my cell medals faster. And Edgy's like, I don't really like the idea of, you know, too many of these cell medals being in one place. It's kind of dangerous. But they still work together because at the same time, Edgy's also more interested in saving the day, and Date's more interested in making money at the end of the day. So they do fight about that, and they also fight about the cell medals where they go. And it's a good back and forth. And you get to learn that Date's a physician, and he worked in uh, third world countries that are actually almost war torn. So learning about how he was a pretty much a physician for pennies, working in these terrible climates. Edgy starts to think, oh, he's working to get this money for a big donation. Oh, that makes him way better. Oh, yeah, I, I, Dante is my, you know, we are not here the best of buds now. And then we find out that he has shrapnel in his head that's actually slowly killing him. And sometimes using the birth suit causes it to rattle around in his head, causing more damage. So... Oh, he's trying to do one last good thing with, you know, his, his life. He wants to save more people before he ends up dying. That's why he's so desperate for money, and no. He's doing this all for his private surgery to get the shrapnel removed from his head. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. They build up for a while that he's going to be this really nice, generous guy, and no, he's just trying to save his own skin. Now, Granted, at the end of the show, he is alive and well, and, um, yeah, he went back to being a physician in, in like, African nations that are in civil war, doing it for pro bono, pretty much. He, basically, he was trying to save his own skin because he thought only he could be a good enough doctor for these areas, and when you see him fight as Comrade Birth, you can tell he can really take care of himself, and... He also ends up training a protege to be birth while he's gone to, you know, for a surgery. And he's a recurring character throughout the show, uh, Goto, I think his name is, who is not as likable for me as uh, Date-san was. Yeah, I, I have to call him Date-san. I know his name is Date, but it just feels right to say Date-san. But he, yeah, he's not as likable as Date-san. He's a good character. He has He's basically from episode one, and he grows into this role, and it's really natural, and it's really nice, because at one point, he thought he was going to be coming to birth, and then Date is just brought in out of nowhere. And <laughs> he gets depressed by it, and ends up quitting the Kogami Foundation, and ends up hanging around with Edgy and the gang. <laughs> but when Date, you know, starts having little troubles... He ends up being Date's assistant in Kamen O as birth, and after Date leaves, the Kokami Foundation was, hmm, birth does work a lot better with someone on the outside to help him. So Date uh, Goto is rehired the Kokami Foundation, but his boss is his direct boss, the secretary of the foundation is made birth's helper, but she's still his boss. So it's a nice back and forth, and she's really kind of a shallow character who doesn't like to do shit unless paid for it. So it's a really interesting that she doesn't want to go out above and beyond things. Goto actually wants to be a hero. That's why he wanted to be birthed. So he's willing to help Edgy more than Date was, but she's not willing to go that far and help, you know, unless there's something in it for her. And <laughs> it's just, the character interactions in the show feel quirky, but also natural. Like, there are some really out-of-shit things, like, 
Hina, the main female character, she has super strength for no reason other than gags. Like, uh, Edgy first meets her by dropping uh, a cell metal underneath a vending machine. She's like, oh, oh, that, that's terrible. Then she yells, and hugs the vending machine and lifts it. Every time she uses super strength, she makes it noise from her mouth, and it's just weird, and then she just lifts things, but <laughs> she also forget, tends to forget she has super strength. Like, when she's being attacked by the monster of the week, she kind of, you know, she'll run and scream because it's, it's a monster! And then sometimes she'll smack it with her super strength, forgetting that, oh, right, I have super strength. Like, she never really jumps into combat. She's a very nice, kind of a pacifist kind of person, but if you endanger children or when she's nearby, she will try and protect them. She'll try and help her friends, but she's not going out to fight monsters because, you know, she's not a very... She, that's not in her person. She's not... You know, she's not a coward or a weakling. She just doesn't like the concept of fighting, and I guess she'll run because, well, just because she's stronger than some of these monsters does not mean they can't hurt her. Because, you know, they're monsters. They've got, like, claws or tentacles or lightning fingers. And... It's... The only thing you can be consistent with Connor O's is Edgy is a good guy. Oh, wait, he ends up getting a berserker mode when the final uh, greed is introduced. The purple greed, the dinosaur greed. Which represents the desire of nothingness. Yeah, it's basically nihilism as a superpower in this show, which makes sense. If greed is the source of power for all the characters, then what's a good anti? Nihilism. And I freaking love uh, Oz's purple form, Putotira. Pterodactyl, uh, Triceratops, T-Rex. His head lets him fly <laughs> in that form. Uh, he gets a massive T-Rex tail for some CGI fight scenes. And he has the Triceratops horns on his shoulders, which can fire out, like, extendo claws. And when he first gets it, it causes him to go in berserk state. Because it's too much power for him to handle, and it just wants to destroy. And the only way to master it is to... Have a greed, have a desire stronger than its desire to destroy. <coughs> Sorry, and the medals actually go to Edgy because he's such a empty person when it comes to desires that they, th the, the medals themselves, attach to him, slowly corrupting and turning him into a greed over the process of the show. But. That's not the only purple greed. There's one other character. The guy who created all the gizmos and gadgets for the Kogami Foundation, Dr. Maki. A weird doctor who carries around this... I, I, I guess the best word to describe it is this, this bald American doll... American girl doll. He, wear, he dresses it up in a white lab coat and he walks around in like a black lab coat. And he carries it with him at all times. He'll sit it on his shoulder, or, or he'll rest it on his elbow and hold it up to his face, and he'll nod to it, or talk to it, or he'll have the doll hold things for him. It's just generally creepy. And it, it was his sister's doll, and she died in the fire that he kind of caused, and he's obsessed with the idea of things are at their most beautiful 
when they end, which means he too desires endings, which means the purple core metals get split between him and Edgy, and he embraces turning into a monster. And he ends up getting the Greeds to work for him, but he also desires to destroy them because the greed of something creates new things, and he wants things to end. And it he's a fascinating villain and a much more, like, what O's does better than Connor Double is it does villains and motivations of villains a lot stronger. Double, I found, did better comedy, better action, and uh, I kind of prefer the main characters of Philip and Shotaro over Edgy and Ankh, which why I think Double is, uh, why I like Double more. But O's, I think, is technically a better done show. And I know I've spoiled the crap out of this show, but I really, it, it, it's a journey I think people need to go on and experience, and it's just such a really, really good, well-written show at times. There are obviously a lot of duds. What I think, but the one thing I think always does way better besides the uh, characters and motivation is it does the music better, because every one of Edgy's combos has a theme song, and almost all of them are sung by him, but um, Time Judges All, which is the Tajador, the bird form theme song, is sung between Ankh and Edgy, and it's a really good duet. And Puto Tira's theme song is Power to Tear. All the songs are named like that. Like, uh, Right on Time is... No, I don't think it's Right on Time. Is the Lion, Tiger, Cheetah. La Torata, or Ratolata, because Japanese tend to mix L's and R's up because in Japanese there is no sound for them. They, they're one combined letter. Or sound. Phonics are weird. Um, <clears throat> but, uh... <coughs> Sorry about that. Uh, tickle in my throat. So... I really, really recommend this show. I've I mostly been rambling about it, but... Um, as a, I guess as a summation of this show, it's something I actually would show if I, you know, had to babysit children for a lot of time or spend time with children and had to entertain them with something and they didn't mind reading subtitles. I think this is a really good show with good messages and strong characters and strong comedy. Some of the comedy, yes, does fall flat because it's either A, bad, or B, culturally I don't get it because I'm a Canadian and these are Japanese jokes and they just kind of go over my head. But the action is good, the characters are good, and it does take itself seriously enough that it's not a constant joke when weird things happen. And it's just really well done. Uh, I really recommend... I actually could say this is a good comrade to start with if you're kinda on the fence about it, and Double sounded okay, but if I was gonna make someone start Comrider nowadays, I actually would say, start with Comrider O's. And... I guess that's really all I can really say about O's. I... When it's just me, I, I'm gonna guess Hyper Battle is gonna be a bit shorter. I'm gonna try and keep it under 50 minutes, unless something comes to my mind. 
but when I have a guest, we're obviously going to have more back and forth and go with this, but this is just more or less me rambling out of the show, I think, needs more attention here in uh, North America. And I really hope that uh, some of you who listen decide to, you know, give a watch of this and enjoy yourselves. And at, at worst, I expose you to something different, and if you don't like it, I... Yeah, that's taste or tastes. And just, um, please, go out and, and find this sh- show if you can and enjoy yourselves. And with that, I guess we need to ride out into the sunset. Take care, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this. This has been a Jedi Dropouts production.